Teach us, O Lord, to follow your decrees, that we may keep them to the end. Give us understanding, and we will keep your law and obey it with all our hearts. We ask for Christ, our Savior's sake. Amen. At the end of a service, there is usually a blessing. It can be given in various ways. But Numbers 6, 22 to 27, as Chris has just read to us, is a unique blessing because it comes directly from God. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I want to have a look at that blessing this morning. I want to try and see what God is wanting to give to us. And there are four things I want to share with you. One of my theological principles used to say, whenever you've got a number of points to make, tell the congregation that you've got a certain number. Because there's nothing worse, is there, than saying, and fourthly, and fifthly, and sixthly, and twenty-eighthly. And... So there are only four this morning. First of all, note in verses 22 and 23 that this was not one of Aaron's good ideas. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, tell Aaron, this is a command, tell Aaron, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Years ago, I sought advice from a, a dear, godly, gracious Anglican priest. And he was very helpful. But as I left to, to go, he said, before you go, let me give you my blessing. Now, that was very generous of him and kind. But perhaps it's my reformed... Um, constitution, if you can, my constitution is reformed, um, somehow I didn't really want his blessing, I wanted God's blessing, but he'd been very kind to me, so I did as I was bid, and I knelt, and he blessed me, and that was great. But as I say, somehow it jars on me when somebody says, I want to give you my blessing, because his blessing, well, that's fine, that's great. But I'm interested in God's blessing, which seems to me much richer and fuller. And at the end of a service, when I bless the congregation, I always use the second person, you, and not the third person, us. Because I want to make a point that it is God's blessing, and he wants you to have it. And that's very important. This is God's blessing, and he wants you to have it. God wants his people to be blessed. That's why he gave this blessing to Aaron. He didn't give it to Aaron just to finish off the service. He gave it to Aaron for a specific purpose, so his people might know that he wants them blessed. This is not an optional extra. It is his will for his people. He wants you to have his blessing. 
That's the first thing. The second thing I want to note is the substance of the blessing. In other words, what it actually consists of. What is God doing when he blesses us? Well, most important of all, he is reinforcing his covenant relationship with you and me. In biblical times, sons expected their fathers to bless them because it confirmed the family bond. It invoked fruitfulness, descendants, flocks, herds, harvests, etc. You'll remember, if you can remember your Sunday school lessons about how Jacob stole the blessing from Esau. When Esau came in and found that his blessing had already gone, he raised a, a bitter cry and said, Bless me even also, O my father. And Isaac said, I can't do that. I've already given my blessing to your brother. It was something very, very special. It was almost a, a, a practical, tangible thing. As I say, it invoked fruitfulness, descendants, flocks, herds, harvests, etc. But all those things were really only token, tokens of the true blessing which followed from a relationship with God. So that's what God is doing when he blesses us. He is confirming his covenant relationship with you and me. And after the blessing itself, the Lord bless you, comes the keeping or the promise of protection. Psalm 121, verse 7, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Now, in New Testament terms, of course, that refers to how the Lord Jesus is our shepherd, our good shepherd, the one who keeps his sheep, and he will not allow even one of them to be lost. And then the next phrase, The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Now, why should God... God's face shine upon us. Well, in ancient times, to approach a king directly was a very, very risky business. He might just as well throw you out as welcome you, or throw you into prison, or worse. You had to be very careful when you approached a king. Do you remember the story of Esther? How she approached Ahasuerus without his bidding. She was taking her life in her hands, but he extended the scepter to her. In other words, he smiled at her. That, you see, was the signal. If the king frowned at you, my word, you'd got to look out. But if he smiled at you, if his face was radiant with welcome, then you were okay. And the light of God's face is the sign that we are welcome in the presence of God. The Lord bless you. He's confirming his covenant with us and keep you. The good shepherd keeps his sheep. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. We know that we are welcome in his presence. That he loves to have us with him. I came across this lovely quotation from Mother Julian of Norwich, the 14th century mystic. It's in medieval English, but nevertheless, I think it has a wonderful ring about it. She says this, Our courteous Lord himself receiveth the soul well merrily and with glad cheer, 
with friendly welcoming, saying sweetly thus, My darling, I am glad thou art come to me. In all thy woe I have ever been with thee, and now thou seest my loving, and we be one in bliss. Thus are sins forgiven by mercy and grace. Our soul is worshipfully received in joy, like as it shall be when it cometh to heaven, as oftentimes as it cometh by the gracious working of the Holy Spirit and the virtue of Christ's passion. That's how God looks on you and me. My darling, I am glad that thou art come to me. In all thy woe I have ever been with thee, and now thou seest my loving, and we be one in bliss. If only we understood the grace and the love of God, if only it was built into our lives, how much less anxiety and heartache there would be. Remember the story about the little boy who was looking after an old lady one afternoon, keeping her company, and on the wall there was the plaque, Thou, O Lord, seest me, and he thought it meant, I've got my eye on you, I know you. And she realized what was going through his mind, and she said, you know what it really means? It really means I love you so much I can't take my eyes off you. The Lord bless you, the covenant relationship, the keeping of the good shepherd. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The fact that he wants us with him. We're welcome in his presence. And then the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Peace. Peace we've prayed for in the Congo. And please God, it comes. But the peace that we have when we come into God's presence and when we know his blessing, when we realize how he feels about us, that's something else. Our New Testament reading, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness, your magnanimity be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, we don't have to know the answers. Do you remember Peter on the shore of Galilee in John 21? What about this man, Lord? <laughs> we want to know the answers, don't we? What's going to happen, Lord? Is it going to be all right? Oh, it's a very natural human question. But if we realize the nature of God and the nature of God's love and grace to us, we don't need to answer those questions because the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep our hearts and our minds. And that's important, isn't it? Our minds. The mind is so often the battleground. The mind is so often the part of the human constitution, the human person that has to be surrendered to God. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, present your... Um, I'll look it up and I, I won't get it wrong. <laughs> Our
I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the thing that needs to be renewed. And when we understand God's will for us and his blessing, then our hearts and minds are kept in the peace and the love of God. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And the third point I want to bring, the consequence of the blessing. We've seen that God wants his people blessed and we've seen what the substance of the blessing is. Now, what about the consequence of the blessing? Now, a little while ago, I I shared that I'm unhappy with the concept of another human being giving me his or her blessing. What I really want is God's blessing and by using the second person you rather than the third person us, I'm pronouncing God's blessing on you, his people. And the consequence of the blessing is in verse 27. So, they, that is Aaron and his sons, will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. And what does it mean to have God's name on us? It means that we belong to him, that we are his special, cherished, treasured possession. At the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there's a question and a statement. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. You know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You and I are God's treasured, precious possession. And when we are blessed in his name, he puts his name upon us. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I don't know whether you've ever heard the name George F. Dempster. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Let me tell you a little about him. As a boy, he'd been chucked out of a chapel for playing marbles in the gallery. So no marbles in the gallery this morning. But later, after he'd been converted, he became the pastor of a neighboring congregation in the East End. But his real ministry was with the British and Foreign Sailors Society. For 26 years until he retired, he headed up their missionary and welfare work. And when he died at the age of 85, his obituary in the Daily Telegraph called him the sailor's friend. One evening, when he thought his work was over for the day he was about to leave for home, a disheveled man ventured into the office and asked him to spare a moment. What can I do for you, laddie? asked Dempster. And the man said, I need a friend. And Dempster replied, well, can I be your friend? There was no one better qualified, of course, because he dealt with thousands of broken-down wrecks of humanity over the years. For the next two hours, he listened to the man's story of drunkenness and degradation from anger to tears and back again. And At one moment, the, the man's passion was so great that he gripped Dempster's hands and squeezed them and squeezed them and squeezed them and 
Almost until he broke the fingers and then suddenly he realized what he was doing. Oh, sir, forgive me. I've hurt your hands. And Dempster replied, it's not for me to forgive you, laddie, but there is someone else who can forgive you. And his hands were hurt much worse than mine have ever been. See, that man made the mistake that so many make of thinking that the best way to get what is offered out of life is to please yourself. Because after all, you belong to yourself, don't you? But we know that that is not true. We know that we are too precious to be wasted in self-indulgence. We know that actually we've got the stamp of God's name upon us. You are mine, he says. You are mine. And when we pronounce God's blessing, we can do so in absolute certainty that those on whom it is pronounced will be blessed because he's promised it. So Aaron and his sons will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Amy Carmichael put it better than I could ever put it. And this is how she describes her reaction when life didn't really seem to make sense. Amy Carmichael, I was talking to the children, young people, earlier on in the 9.30 service about Amy Carmichael. She was a missionary in India. For the first 25 years of her missionary enterprise there, she was active, um, rescuing children from temple prostitution. And then she had an accident, a terrible accident, not a very serious one in a sense. She fell down a, a hole in a building site that hadn't been illuminated. But the injury she suffered from, she, she suffered then, was never treated properly. And for the rest of her life, she was in constant pain, often unable to leave her sick room. Let me leave you with her words. I was not afraid of any evil tidings. For myself, my heart stood fast believing in the Lord. My trust was ever in the tender mercy of God. Often he had risen as light in the darkness. Often I had called upon him in trouble and he had delivered me. Delivered me. But now I found myself standing alone, looking into a great mist. And in that hour, a song was given to me. I sang it as I walked. Oh, what great troubles and adversities thou hast shown me, and yet thou didst turn and refresh me. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Oh, let my mouth be filled with thy praise, for thou, Lord, hast never failed them that seek thee. And as I walked thus and sang, others whom I did not see because of the mist that still lay on my way heard me singing and were comforted and helped to follow on even unto the end. O oh Lord, make that my portion and ours. Let us pray. Father, we bless you for your blessing, for the renewing of our covenant relationship, for the keeping power of Christ, for the assurance of your welcome and for the infinite treasure of knowing that we belong to you. 
May these things characterize our lives each and every day. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.